When your chin don't work like it used to before And you can't win a fight on the feet Will your fans still remember the K1 Grand Prix And the days when you were elite Overeem, please fucking retire Welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast the podcast for the above-average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice, and uh, let's get cracking. Those fights last night were awesome. Uh, speaking, of course, about UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Volkov. Do they even number them anymore? Like, is it Fight Night UFC in Vegas 18 or whatever the fuck it's supposed to be? Like, this whole COVID shit messed up the numbering for sure. Sound like Brendan Shop for sure. <laughs> anyway, fuck Brendan Shop. Uh, <laughs> I do want to talk about uh, basically every fight because they were all bangers. Um, so let's start. We we start off the night uh, in an incredible fashion. I might add uh, the first fight: Ode Osborne versus Jerome Rivera could not have gone worse for Jerome Rivera, <laughs> and it could not have gone better for uh, for Ode Osborne. Um, if you'll remember, or if you didn't watch, and you're waiting to hear my uh, hungover ass recap these for you. Um, Jerome Rivera threw a high kick and Ode sort of blocked it slash it kind of missed a little, I think. And it lingered on his shoulder. Like when you, when your foot comes in off the kick, it kind of landed on Ode's shoulder for a second, which gave him the opening to land a straight left down the pipe. And it just fucking, that's the night that the lights went out in Vegas. Like, ladies and gentlemen, that shit was incredible. I had high hopes for Ode Osborne. Um, he was fighting my boy Brian Kelleher in his debut, and uh, everyone was like, "Oh, this guy's the guy. This guy's the guy." And I was like, "Okay, dude, I'm picking Ode. Fine, you know." And then Brian Kelleher did his thing, and I was like, "Yeah," but also I was mad that I let people convince me that Ode was the real deal. And yet, it seems like he is, because that was fucking awesome. And apparently, uh, so so he fought Kelleher. At, I believe that was bantamweight. Or was it that time when, uh, you know, Kelleher and other Bantamweights were like fighting at featherweight because of the pandemic or whatever? I don't know. Um, but he was trying to make his debut at flyweight. And um, this was, I guess, a late notice replacement. So they both just fought at featherweight, which is just interesting that he was able to land that much two weight, uh, two weight classes above his normal weight class. But uh, really, really excited for what Ode Osborne is going to bring. Um, I think inclusion is, is important. And uh, the fact that he's uh, Jamaican, love that. The Jamaican sensation. Moving on, we had Timur Valiev versus Martin Day. This was another uh, debut that uh, was long awaited. And then, um, well, I don't know if the last fight was his debut, um, but they were really like touting this guy, Timur Valiev. And then he got fucking deaded by Trevin Jones. And I noticed on the broadcast, they were like, Oh, he's running a 17-fight unbeaten streak. I was like, why would they say unbeaten? He's not. And then I realized the way they worded unbeaten, I'm like, wait a minute, what the fuck? And then I had forgotten that Trevin Jones tested positive for marijuana after their fight, which overturned it to a no contest, which is bullshit. Uh, Not only robbing Trevin Jones of that incredible comeback win, it's just, fuck, dude, it's 2021. And that, that fight happened in 2020, like... Bro, so weak, so weak. 
you saw our bunch of narcs, dude. Or that may have even been the commission. The commission are a bunch of narcs as well. Fucking NSAC, pieces of shit. Same commission that gave Nick Diaz five years. Uh, five-year suspension for, for cannabis, which is so dumb. But anywho, I digress. Uh, the next fight was a bit of a disappointment for me. I mean, the, the fight itself was great, but I was um, I was really looking forward to Yusuf Zalal doing his thing. As a matter of fact, I deleted a tweet. I was like, they're not going to fucking get me tonight, those fucking faceless burner accounts tagging old takes exposed and all the other bullshit on my tweets. Uh, I deleted the tweet, and fucking MMA Catfish was ready, dude. He's like, oh, you deleted that tweet? I'm like, motherfucker, were you looking for it, you piece of shit? <laughs> anyway, Seth, love you. But anywho, uh, yeah, uh, I thought Yusuf Salal was going to do Yusuf Salal things. Because who the fuck is Chu Sung Woo? Am I right? Choi Sung Woo. I'm sorry. And, and that's not a, a problematic thing. I just literally don't know who he is. Uh, and, and so I was caught off guard by the name. But uh, he... Did work against uh, Yusuf Zalal. There were some moments where Zalal, like I think, I think he had like a mounted guillotine on him or something, and they were like, "Oh, that's tight." And I was like, "Fuck yeah, this is it." Love of one strikers get submissions out of nowhere, and then he did not. He did not. So that was that. Kind of a uh, one-sided, not beatdown, but domination of sorts, largely in the grappling, but just sort of like stifled Yusuf Zalal. Couldn't really get off anything. Speaking of stifling, oh, our girl Molly uh, was really looking forward to to her beating the absolute piss out of uh, Lara Procopio. Uh, no disrespect intended, but uh, you know, you guys know I'm the probably the biggest Meatball Molly fan on the planet. Like literally, I don't think there's a, uh, someone who's a bigger fan than I am. Uh, yeah. I just I just literally can't think of any other person who would qualify. Uh, we love her. She follows both of my accounts, which is unprecedented. Well, not unprecedented, but it's awesome. Anyway, uh, Molly McCann's a shit. And you know what, dude? We'll, we'll get to this later in the in the questions. But she like laid her gloves down, and people were like, "Oh my god, she's retiring!" I was like, "Stop, you guys, stop!" She would not retire off this. She's she's the fucking fighter. Like she has come back from adversity. She is not doing this. And then she was quick to put out a tweet that was like, oh, I'm doing this for me, dad, or whatever she said. Oh, so touching. So touching. That's the Molly I know that would do something like that to honor, uh, you know, her, her family members and not uh, make a rash decision uh, based off of losing a decision. No, that's not Molly. That's not Molly. So we love we love that she's back. Um, and, 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 and in fairness, I'm not saying like, you know, if she was, you know, legitimately thinking about retiring that I would uh, push back and, you know, whatever, like if that's, you know, that's your life, that's your career. Um, but, uh, I definitely think she has way more fights left in her, way more fights left in her. I do. Um, and then the next fight, Carol Hosa versus Jocelyn Edwards, um, this is a pretty exciting fight, not going to lie. Um, I didn't know much about Edwards, but um, I've seen Carol Hosa fight. She's great. And uh, this was a Carol Hosa type of fight. She was, I guess, supposed to face Nico Montano. And Nico did Nico things and didn't make it to the fight. Um, I would say that's not shading Nico Montano, but let's be fair. It is. Uh, I mean, there... If it, I'm not saying she's scared or whatever, but she's just like always pulls out the fight. Like that's what she does. Uh, and, and again, I'm not that kind of person that thinks like 
human beings that fight other human beings in a cage for a living are scared. But Nico, like, get it together, honey. Get it together. Like, you got to make it to the cage sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, great, great uh, showing for, for Carol Hosa. Um, another great showing for, for Devante Smith, um, knocking out Justin Janes in the second round. That was fucking great. And uh, I'm in this little pick'em league uh, with the homie Riz. And uh, I did shit. And that he was one of the ones I got right. As a matter of fact, if I'm looking, I picked out Osborne. Uh, I picked Timur Valiev. So it was so, so it was really those other three, the Choi Sung-woo, Ma- uh, Molly, and uh, the Carajosa fight that I got wrong. Well, no, I think I'm going to pick Carajosa. Anyway, dude, this was not my night, as you can tell. However, when he posted the results, because it's funny, <laughs> Justin Janes uh, is actually in the league. Like He, he wanted to get a, a bunch of fighters involved, so like Sam Alvey's involved, Justin Janes, I think someone else is a fighter. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I was I was tied for last place with like four other people that had the same uh, record as me in terms of the this card. So I was like, thank God I wasn't the only one who shit the bed because <laughs> I think I was like second overall until that point. But that was it for the prelims. I mean, they were pretty fucking exciting if I do say so myself. Then again, I was drunk. Um, your boy smashed a six pack of hard kombucha, which I didn't even know was a thing. Um, I recently found out that and I had thought this in the past, but uh, my, my doctor thinks that I may have celiac. Um, and I wanted, I really wanted some beer, but I was like, I need something not like, and like gluten-free beer is not really good. And I just wanted some like some fucking cheap way of getting drunk. And I was going to, I was going to be a bitch. And I mean a bitch and get some white claw, <laughs> but this was next to the white claw. And I was like, this is infinitely better. And it was. And then this morning, shit, my brain's out. Uh, <laughs> But uh, moving on, we opened up the main card with Mike Slow Rodriguez, maybe worst name of all time, uh, but also one of the best interviews of all time on Comments vs. Rhino, um, went up against Danilo Marquez and got submitted in the second round. Really, really sad to see. I like Mike Rodriguez a lot, other than the fact that he has the worst nickname of all time. Um, so I really, uh, <laughs> I really wanted him to win that fight. Uh, but Daniel Marquez uh, looks pretty fucking exciting, so awesome to see where he goes from here. Uh, he's got a record of eleven and two, so love that for him. And uh, speaking of loving that for him, I love winning for Benil Dariush. Um, I've uh, I've witnessed some of uh, Benil's like bad losses, so for some reason, I f- it feels like he had. Um, like the time he got knocked out by Itamar Boza, I'm saying, and some of those other losses. Like for some reason, it feels like he had a different kind of record. But he, my motherfucker's twenty and four and one, whatever that one is. Um, I suppose I could do some investigation, but this is not that kind of podcast, okay? So, you know, tap, typology exists for you as well if you are curious to find out about that one. Um, but uh, this is a fucking great fight. They fought before as a rematch, and Benil beat him, but. Um, uh, Carlos Diego Fajera is, uh, Benil said himself probably the toughest guy he's ever fought and he's he's improved a lot so uh, uh, Diego made him work for this victory and I, I don't know if anyone um, caught my, my tweet he looks just like the guy named Diego on fucking Umbrella Academy 
<laughs> so I was like, I love Diego from Umbrella Academy. Everyone's like, yeah, it's a good show. I was like, no, I'm talking about the motherfucker that's fighting Benil Jariush right now. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Benil had a really fired up post-fight speech, which I loved. He was like, you know, no disrespect to anyone else, but, you know, Diego should have felt disrespected as well. He shouldn't have had to fight me. Like, we're both on the streets. We both should have been fighting on top of a guy. We both should have been fighting up. And I was like, damn, dude, you're fucking right. Like, get uh, Benil Darius a ranked opponent. And I was thinking about uh, some potential matchups for him. And I don't usually do this. Um, Gator's really good at it. Rhino's really good at it. I'm not. Um, but I would love to fucking see Darius versus Felder. Man, that's a fun fight. And another fun one that I thought of initially was Darius versus Oliveira, but I was like, dude, Charlie Olives needs a fucking title shot, huh? Like, get him in there with someone else and let them fight for the belt. That's fucking it. Uh, you know, so so Benil Darius. You know what I would love to see, actually? And this is, like, kind of dumb, and, and people were saying that, like, money-wise, Chandler is going to get the title shot, which I, I don't disagree with. Like, I'm not saying that's off or whatever but it's not what i'd like to see i wouldn't mind seeing darius versus chandler holy shit that would be a fun fight um even though daniel uh beniel sorry rather uh likes to thank god after his uh victories why do people do that why do people do that because it's almost like saying like god is was against your opponent like that's fucked up and, and obviously it's a sport one person has to lose but this is like you're putting your health in the line. It's like saying like, oh yeah, you don't believe in God like I do. So he said, fuck you and made me win instead. Like take credit for your own accomplishments. Anyway, um, the next fight, Alexandre Pantoja versus Manel Cop. I was really fucking looking forward to this fight. I've seen Cop's highlights on, on, sorry, on Instagram uh, from Ryzen um, on Twitter, YouTube and stuff like that. Goon posts them a lot and I'd seen him before. He he beat the absolute piss out of Ian McCall. Um, love Ian McCall so I was really sad about that but this guy's a fucking sniper and he landed a couple times on Patoja but for the most part he was waiting for that one punch and it never came. Alexander was too elusive and he was much more active so he got the decision and I didn't see this, but some people were saying that Manel was looking pissed. Like, bro, what are you pissed about? You didn't do anything. Like, maybe be pissed that you didn't have more rounds to try and land something, but you are in control of what you did, and you fucking did nothing. So there's that. Um, speaking of which, I did not see Clay Guida getting the victory over Michael Johnson, to be honest with you. I really didn't. Um, and I think there's an interesting question about Clay Guida in the in the, in the, in the forum. So I, I I won't share my thoughts on this yet, but Clay Guida really is like a different sort of entity that it's sort of hard to pin down. And like the first time I saw Clay Guida fight live, I've said it's in like uh, highlights and things like that was a uh, UFC 199. And I was in the, uh, in the arena and uh, he got knocked the fuck out by Brian Ortega. And he was kind of winning. Like Ortega wasn't, you know, I think he knocked around the third round and he definitely needed that knockout, but it wasn't like very uh, impressive. You could tell that he, he kind of looked stiff and then Brian looked tentative as well. And then he landed that knee. And even Brian in the press conference uh, had said like when they got in there, when the round started, he's like, holy shit, that's Clay Guida. And he's like bouncing around. His hair is fucking flying around. He's like, that's fucking Clay Guida. Um, so that was awesome to see Clay Guida win. I'm pretty sure in the post post fight interview, he said that he uh, hadn't gotten his hand raised since the BJ Penn fight, which is sad. Uh, Number one, that that fight even happened because 
high BJ Penn uh, degenerate uh, and should not be fighting. Uh, but Clay Guida was like really weird after that fight too. He was like so happy to fight BJ. Like, bro, you wrote a decision that was not impressive. Um, but yeah, this was impressive to me because Michael Johnson, and I hate whenever Michael Johnson fights too because like he, to quote Kevin Lee, like, Got 40 fights, lost half of them. I mean, the guy really has a 20 and 17 record. Um, but those 20 wins are fucking, he's got some really good wins in there. Obviously, Tony Ferguson, which they talk about all the time. Poirier, um, which is still shocking to this day. And, and then the Tony Ferguson one, like I think that's where Tony broke his arm and it's like a whole thing. He knocked Poirier the fuck out in the first round. Like, slept him in Hidalgo. Absolutely slept him. And uh, normally I don't like to talk about Dustin getting slept because we don't, really acknowledge that exists but michael johnson did that and uh so this is a guy fighting clay guida and i was like okay he's gonna fucking absolutely dismantle clay guida but clay guida did clay guida things and i'm spending far too much time on this fight so we're gonna move on uh another fight i don't need to spend time on because it was 28 seconds long sounding so much like someone who's canceled uh cory sandhagen leo will know what i'm talking about uh cory sandhagen versus frankie edgar uh, I'm sad because you know Frankie's a Jersey guy. I love him, and but I also love Corey Sandhagen a lot. Even though he's a weird hippie, um, he knocked Frankie Edgar the fuck out. That jump knee was insane. And then he had a great opportunity for a walk off KO, but he like couldn't take his eyes off him. He was like walking away, but he kept looking at him. And I was like, no, dude, you gotta not look. That was in your moment. Um. But that was a fun, dude. He was like timber. It was like we're going down. I'm yelling timber. I'm just gonna say I stole that from him, but actually he took it from me because I said timber in the chat and then Meg made that tweet. So you're welcome. Anyway, um, Corey Sanhagen. By the way, cut a fucking sick ass promo in the uh, post fight interview. Which not only like this is a guy who doesn't really do that. So. It's, it's commendable for that reason, not only. But number two, in these uh, post-interviews now, it's after a minute or two, uh, some of the adrenaline has worn off. They're not in the cage anymore. You know, they're, they're, they can't see their opponent or whatever because it's all, you know, socially distant and it's safe. He still had the energy to be like, I owe Aljo a nap. Like, bro, chills. I love him. Let's book Corey versus Aljo right now, um, assuming Aljo beats Jan, that is, uh, which I personally am predicting. Um, I know Jan is like, you know, some people love him. Like some people really love him because he's a Russian and for some reason MMA Tour loves Russians, uh, which I'm not a fan of. But uh, I think Aljo is going to absolutely strangle Peter Jan. Um, he could kick out with a knee like he did against Morais. That very well could happen. But uh you know, personally, I think he's going to strangle him. And then Corey is going to make do on that promise of giving Aljo a nap. And then he's going to put a mask on him afterward, dude. And they say, that's how you keep people safe, you fuck. Uh, wouldn't that be great? It's not going to happen, though. And I got to say, the main event, second round KO for Alexander Volkov over Alistair Overeem. You know how I feel about this based on my, um, based on my intro? Overeem should absolutely retire. 
I am tired of seeing this game, this man get knocked out. And he has had a resurgence, and he's had a ton of resurgences, dude. He's come back from terrible knockouts. You know, he's he got fucking decapitated on live television against Francis Ngannou, like absolutely decapitated. Uh, one of the worst knockouts I've ever seen in my life. And he came back from that, and he's come back from that nasty stoppage of, you know, from Curtis Blades. He's come back from a lot of things, but dude, honestly... You don't have a lot of time left, and it's fucking amazing that you still have most of your faculties. I like seriously, science should, science should study this man's brain. Like, what the fuck, man? And and I think about it sometimes too. Donald Cerrone has, has said some pretty dumb and pretty fucking problematic things, but he said something one time that was so kind of really introspective and really smart on uh, the Joe Rogan post. One time he was saying how he doesn't spar anymore because he was like, I think of my brain like Walmart. I mean, that's pretty dumb to say that, but he had a good point. He was like saying, you know, like when, when they have to check the capacity and they have that little clicker that uh, counts people coming in. What if there's a fucking capacity for how many shots I can take? And I just want to like, I don't know how many clicks I have left. Whatever, like when you start to think about that analogy, it's really, I don't know, to call it really deep, like he's some fucking philosopher or whatever, but I think about that all the time. Like, how many clicks do these guys have? And uh, I just don't know how many Overeem's had. Like, he's had a ton of knockouts, uh, not only in MMA, a few in kickboxing, and God knows how many we haven't seen in the gym. You don't think Curtis Blades knocked him out in the gym? Actually, maybe not, because it's Curtis Blades, but. Um, it's wild, dude. It's it's fucking wild. And apparently Overeem and Arlovsky used to have, uh, you know, like gym wars and stuff when they were at Jackson's too. Like crazy, you know? So, dude, honestly, shit is wild. It, it is fucking wild. Volkov, I was thinking about last night how mad at him I am. By the way, Bactat Volk is the new like mythological creature. And I actually like that. Like, you know, like sea level cane. Baldur Ortega, fucking Ring Fedor, Pride Fedor, whatever. Back to Volk is a different... Um, Volkov. People say Volk for Volkanovsky. But Back to Volkov is uh, a new beast. Which, by the way, he had a Back to before and it was terrible. It was that Stingray. You, you guys probably don't remember because this, this new one is one of the best tattoos in MMA. I mean, it's probably the second best of all time. The first being mine, obviously. If you haven't seen that, let me know because I love showing it. But um, it's a fucking a really amazing piece. But he had that shitty, shitty stingray before. And so this was much needed. So it's like, uh, it's just like a makeover, like from fucking she's all that or whatever. But he's all that. And he is his back. Uh, <laughs> that's probably the dumbest joke I've ever made. I'm back, baby. Don't you love it? Anyway, um. So that's it for um, uh, for recapping the fights. But I did have something that I I, uh, I wanted to kind of touch on before I, I get into the news segment. Um, I wanted to talk about something that a question that was asked on Twitter uh, that wasn't necessarily part of the forum. But um, the homie Zim asked this question. I've I've referenced Zim on the podcast a few times. If if you never if you don't know who that is, because uh, he's not really part of like the MMA Twitter community or whatever. But um, Zim is one of like the most loyal uh, listeners that I have. 
of all time because he was uh, a listener of my previous podcast, which most of you have not heard, Mixed Martial Opinions. It was kind of a weird show that was between me and my buddy Andrew, who is not an MMA fan. And like week by week, I would show him either I would have him watch old fights or we talk about certain aspects of MMA culture or focus on a specific fighter. Um, and I would like try and convince him to be an MMA fan like every week. And it, we just kind of never really got anywhere. And it was just sort of like a, tr- a you know, trial and error process. But Zim was uh, was one of the guys that uh, liked it. And uh, follow me over to this show. And uh, Zim is the man, so I wanted to shout out Zim. But he had asked a question. So do I prefer the smaller octagon or the regular octagon? And he was like, I'm ready to have the, the regular octagon back. And for the most part, I'm like, me too. But I like both of them for different reasons. And and, and it sucks because so like part, part of it, it's not just the smaller octagon. It's the fact that these fights are in the apex, which is a small place that doesn't, even if they could have fans, it seats like 200 people. Like it's not you know, great. And sometimes venues that don't see a lot can still be really cool if they have enough size for a big cage or, you know, a standard cage. Like I saw um, Fight Night Atlantic City at the Boardwalk Hall and someone Google how many seats that, uh, that seats, but it's not a lot. If I were to guess, I would say like 5,000, somewhere between 5,000 and 8,000 or whatever, um, max, maybe less. Honestly, it's tiny, but it's enough to like feel like you're you have a lot of people in this in the stands when when it's packed. And it but it was so intimate. Like I I actually got like floor seats kind of, um, and they were cheap because it's not a fucking fancy arena. The shit was awesome. So sometimes it's good, but the, but the but the apex it just feels so like it's the same thing that they have tough and and Dana White contender series where it's like not whatever. It's just and, and it all looks the same. And the small cage, when it, when they first started having the events in the Apex, um, it's somewhat statistically proven, and some people have like tried to disprove it. But I think I think in both cases, uh, if you're trying to make the case or you know for or against, I think you're guilty of confirmation bias. But but optically, and just from you know, talking to you know, listening to the interviews with some fighters, the small cage produces more finishes. Like uh, it's it's harder to, to cut off the cage, and um, you don't have a lot of room to open up, and so it makes people kind of fight in a phone booth. And I like that sometimes, but at the same time, it also feels like a smaller show. Like it just does, especially like I I personally think the small cage attributed to the earlier finish between uh, Overeem and Volkov. Now, part of that is if Volkov is like a monster and Overeem has a you know chin that's been tested and tested again and 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 again but part of that was the small cage like it just didn't have a lot of movement like with those big guys like fucking hey dude so sometimes I do like the small cage but it gets a little old like I see what he's where he's talking about now now the big cage sometimes I feel like they use a cage that's kind of too big but at the same time uh i like that you know it just depends um well i actually think the perfect sort of setting for mma is not in a cage and i think they do that because of the fucking uh original ufc in 93 the cage was designed by like a hollywood guy a set designer to like make it fucking epic as shit and it was and it sounds cool to be like i'm fighting in a cage you know what i mean like wrestling, like cage match. Everything is pro wrestling. By the way, if you hate pro wrestling, the roots of MMA are deeply rooted in pro wrestling. And you don't even know it, dude. But um, uh, fighting in a cage and 
but it also fosters like wall install and all these like cage clinching that just are fucking not like things that I enjoy. I think the perfect setting would be something like what they have in karate combat. If you guys ever watched that on Fight Pass, it's pretty fucking bitching. And it's like a pit that the sides are like sloped. So they're fighting like below the seating level, which is just cool as shit. And, but, but it's like a big open arena, like bigger than the cage kind of. So you can have, I mean, I think they kind of control it to where they can't use the whole thing. I don't, I don't know, but um, either way, I, I think if they did with, uh, with MMA, there would be l- less running away, but more room to do that if they needed to, if that makes sense. And takedowns would be harder, but you would see them out in the open that they would know like really good wrestlers. Cause like a lot of the good wrestlers in MMA, uh, they just pressure, pressure and back you up to the cage to, to where they can then just pick you up and dump you. And while it still takes technique and, and, you know, if you're good enough, you can defend that. It's still like a kind of cheat, not a cheat in in the sense, but it's a handicap. It's like, you're, it's easier to do it. Whereas I feel like if they had that pit, um, you know, it would be, it would be awesome. I don't know. That's just my personal opinion, but shout out to Zim and, and shout out to the, the small cage, and shout out to Sean Alshadi, who wrote an article on The Athletic one time that said, the small cage is life. <laughs> I love it. Uh, anyway, let's take a quick break, and we're going to uh, jump into some news. And we're back. That was a very short break. In fact, almost non-existent, if you didn't know I was taking a break. But I did. And I'm fresher. You're welcome. Not a lot to talk about in terms of news, at least as far as what I'm going to talk about. But there was a really big story. Story that came out that I want to share my thoughts on. And first of all, it kind of ties into, or at least a little bit into the uh, last episode I did on um, the Case Kenny Megan Anderson situation. And I just thank you so much to anyone who contributed to that episode. Um, and, and thank you to anyone who listened to it. I remember feeling at the end, um, like when I was finished, like I wasn't that coherent. I was just rambling and I was angry and I was just sort of being pissed off but a lot of the feedback was really positive and just saying like no you needed to do that you need to be fired up whatever i was like yes thank you um so i'm just glad i got my point across because i, I wanted to explain that usually with uh, things like that i'm more measured and i'm like okay here's why this is problematic and, and incredibly unacceptable behavior and kind of break it down but i was just like no fuck him and anyone who looks like it uh, obviously that's a joke but um the thing that i'm talking about is uh some comments that were made by Stephen a smith now it's worth noting, and, and this kind of jumps into something else that I want to plug, um, because um, I, I just listened to, uh, on Friday, an episode of Best Camp of My Life by Fernanda Prates. And if you have listened to even like a minute of my stuff, you've probably heard me talk about Fernanda. Just, I'm a big fan of her as a human and, and the work she does primarily. Um, and her podcast is, is, is unequivocally my favorite. Um, it is my personal, uh, it's a great source of like positivity in my life. And, um, she did an episode with Nancy Kidder who until that episode, I did not know exists, but Nancy Kidder is a fucking incredible human being as well. She, she's a professor at the, I think it's the American university. And she teaches a class called writing and fighting, which talks about the contributions of uh, combat sports to the English language, like phrases like throwing the towel and in my corner and things like that, that are like derivative from boxing and, and combat sports in general that we, like people who aren't even combat sports fans 
use in daily lives, which I think is very fucking interesting. And they talked about Shakespeare. If you guys don't know, I've been doing Shakespeare since I was eight years old. It's like a big part of my life. I was like, oh my God, this interview is amazing. And Nancy makes her own wine. I love wine, dude. You guys know that about me as well. I love wine. Um, anyway, it was such a great interview. And, and they and they talked about this thing with Stephen A. Smith that I want to talk about. And I was going to talk about it anyway, but I just, I think it's 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 worth um, hearing it from from those two two fantastic ladies as well. Um, but Stephen A. Smith, it's worth noting that he kind of makes his living by saying controversial comments. Um, and and I, I, I don't often know um, whether or not he believes them because sometimes it feels like, man, this guy really doesn't know what he's talking about. But I don't know if he's staying willfully ignorant because sometimes he like I've heard interviews at one point, Ariel Helwani, who's a colleague of his at ESPN. And I guess Ariel's kind of a fan of his in a way, which is like, I hope he's rethinking that stance now. But I, I think it's because Stephen A. Smith comes from the basketball world. As far as I know, like that's his main sport that he was known for. And uh, obviously Ariel's a big basketball fan, which I'm not. I think it's incredibly boring. Um, but he's come on Ariel's show before and sounded like someone who is well-intentioned and someone who is, uh, you know, just open and, and willing to, to learn. But then sometimes he feels like he's not like this guy's a, just, just a basically a piece of shit. Um, and what I want to talk about is him being a piece of shit. Um, and what I wanted to say also is that it, it's hard for me to, to not talk about it, but sometimes I think I shouldn't because I don't want to give this, this kind of guy an airtime because that's what he's doing. But I think about how my show doesn't really like influence that much. Like, it's not like people are going to be like, Oh, well, Defining with myself podcast, we're talking about Stephen A. Smith. Clearly, it's working. Like, no. So, in that way, I have some somewhat of an obligation to be like, okay, this is something we have to talk about amongst the community. Um, and this guy, so so, um, it was talked about in an article with MMA fighting, and that's why how it kind of came into our sphere um, because I guess it was something that was said on um, Larry Wilmore's podcast. I believe it's called Black on the Air. That's what the article references. I'm, I'm not uh, familiar with the podcast, so I don't know. Um, but the article says one name brought up specifically was San Antonio Spurs assistant coach Becky Hammond getting promoted to the head coaching seat after Greg Popovich was ejected from the December 31st game against the Los Angeles Lakers. When Smith was asked if he should expect to see more of this, if we should expect to see more of this, he took a bit of a different turn with the subject. And here's the quote. He says, first of all, I love it. I think there's an awful lot of women who are incredibly qualified to do the jobs they're doing, Smith said. Where I jump off the bandwagon is where, is where they try to engage physically. For example, I don't ever want to see a woman boxing a man. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see a woman in the UFC fighting a man, even though there are some women out there that will kick the dude's butt. When I think about pugilistic sports, I don't like to see women involved in that at all. I just don't like it. I wouldn't pass, I wouldn't promote legislating laws to prohibit them from doing so, but I don't want to see women punching each other in the face. I don't want to see women fighting in the octagon and stuff like that. That's just me. I certainly, what I adamantly would be against is them fighting men. I don't think that's cool. I'm not a proponent of that. Plus, you don't ever want to give men a license to believe that it's all right to be physical with a woman, to be quite honest with you. You don't want to do that. End quote. First of all, there's so much that just is wrong with this. Number one, no one in their right mind is ever called for uh, intergender combat sport. No, I mean, there there was that time famously that uh, um, 
blanking GDR GDR fought a man and I think there was like some sort of a spectacle and she couldn't find opponents or whatever apparently Dan Hardy was like propositioned to do that you know there's just there's so much that's kind of problematic about that just just to say like oh yeah I would be against that of course you are everyone is like no one is advocating for that dude like no it's just it's just not a thing but but secondly taking the stance that he's taking is is very much reminiscent of jk rowling to me and uh, i was on a podcast recently the pick and mix the pick and mix podcast uh with our boy harry andrew shout out to harry there's a question in the forum which i'll read later um a play later rather it's a voice question and we were talking about J.K. Rowling's transphobic comments. If you don't know those, I'll somewhat repeat them because Harry asked, he, he knew it was bad, but didn't know the specifics of it. He kind of was like, whatever. And so I explained, and here's the problem with it, in my opinion, is because the stance she's taking, it's it's sort of like veiled in like earnest and and trying to take a stance of like a moral high ground and trying to to be like seeming to be open-minded because he's like well i wouldn't promote legislation i wouldn't promote this like jk rowling uh has said some some transphobic things that like trans women uh take away from the real struggles that cis women go through or something like that and she's like having ovaries makes you more of a woman or whatever she has all these problematic views and we call her a fucking turf bitch turf is an acronym that stands for trans exclusionary radical feminist uh should we call stephen a smith a fucking term trans exclusionary radical mask well he didn't mention trans i'm just sort of trying to spitball and trying to come up with something but dude the, the fact that he's like well i like that it's good it's good it's good that women can can do things it's good for them you know but i wouldn't advocate doing it. i don't like to see him get punched in the face and oh I, I wouldn't advocate for them to find a man bro shut the fuck up and stay in your lane okay Stephen a smith sit the fuck down first of all it's 2021, dude. We have equality for a reason. And and many, many amazing women fought for that equality. And and to, to shit all over that and saying like, oh, I, sh- I don't believe they should be engaging in combat sports is like a fuck you to our history. So fuck you. And 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 it's a it's a big fuck you to anyone who's, who has ever fought for uh, equality, uh, who anyone who has who has tried to seek a- approval for what they're doing it, it is so nasty and disgusting and I, I just can't even i can't even handle it with the care that is needed because this is a very uh unacceptable take that we need to be addressing we can't let a guy like this still have a platform he's saying things that shouldn't be said and i know it's like free speech and the whole point of free speech is to protect unpopular speech and i get that but to give this guy a fucking microphone to say this bullshit is so dumb dude it's so dumb and anyone that listens to Stephen a smith on a regular basis and if you're coming to me and you're listening to this podcast you're like oh well i like his football takes and i like his but shut the fuck up dude don't support this motherfucker we hate him he's canceled bye that's it boom Stephen a smith you're done okay um I plugged Best Camp in my life already. I was just gonna, I was going to talk about that second, but I realized it kind of is a nice segue to kind of do it together. Um, I'm trying to, I was trying to end the segment on a, like a more positive. I'm like, hey, go check out these other people. These are great people uh, doing great things in MMA. I'm just so fucking fired up about Stephen A. Smith. What a piece of shit. 
Chauvinist A. Smith, more like it. Stephen A. Shit, more like it. He's trying to come up with something funny. Anyway, let's leave that in the past, and uh, we're going to talk about the forum. I'm really, we're not going to we're not going to talk about the forum. We're going to go into the forum. Let's do something productive, shall we? And here we are at the forum. Thank you once again and always, in case I always forget to say it, thank you to Ill Will Resolve for making that um, uh, amazing little, I don't know what to call it, the uh, soundtrack to the form, if you will, a little intro to the form. Big fan of, uh, of of Will. I think it's Electric Resolve. I should give him a proper plug. I, just, I like calling him Ill Will Resolve because um, he's the man. And uh, this first one is from a man who's also uh, amazing. Uh, it's Harry Andrew. And, um, as I mentioned, he is, uh, one of the hosts of the pick and mix podcast. And I did an episode with them about Harry Potter, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And, um, apparently I'm heavily featured in their, uh, next episode, uh, which, uh, I can't wait to hear, but, uh, here is his question. Hey, Juice, it's Harry. How you doing? Um, about to watch the co-main event. Just thought I'd get this question in now. Obviously, a bit sad earlier that Mipo and Molly didn't get the win. But onwards and upwards, thankfully she isn't retiring like people thought she was. Um, my question is, is, do you think that they should make it illegal in MMA to wrestle against a Brit? Because we can't wrestle for fuck, mate. So, uh, yeah, what do you think? Cancel wrestling on Brits, please. You'd like a few more wins and a few more belts. Thank you. <laughs> I can't stop laughing at that. Ever since he sent it last night, I've been laughing just thinking about it. How fucking, like, let's not try and get some wrestling programs in, in, in UK schools. Let's not, let's not try and bring in some world-class coaching. Let's just ah, cancel wrestling on it. Ah, we're fucking done. Like, <laughs> No, dude. You know, actually, I was thinking about this when he sent the question as far as, like, answering it in a proper manner. Um, Chael Sonnen had, and obviously, I've said before, I've canceled Chael. Uh, I don't like to talk about him, but, like, when someone's canceled, sometimes thinking about the things that they have said before they got canceled, which are positive, you still like to look back on them fondly. And, um, obviously, I'm joking about cancel culture. I, he's not really canceled. I just hate him. Uh, he, he said some things that really pissed me off and I'm like, I'm not going to give him any fucking listens. So fuck Chael. But um, prior to, to me canceling him, he says something about Michael Bisping, which I thought was really awesome and really complimentary. Um, obviously they fought and um, he said, um, uh, so they, they, they've, they've been very complimentary about each other uh, after that. Uh, but uh, Chael said that Bisping did something which was very, effective and and very smart he acknowledged the fact that he's not going to make up the learning curve on wrestling you know there's americans that have been wrestling since they were five years old etc etc he's not going to get there however he can dedicate as much of his time as possible to defensive wrestling to getting up 
to stopping a takedown to you know escaping certain positions he devoted all his time to defensive wrestling and because of that uh, he always throws, throws us around as a joke, but I think it might be true. He has the most takedown, or the best takedown offense of any Brit. Uh, although Darren Tell has pretty fucking good takedown offense as well. Um, but yeah, um, I'm pretty sure um, that is possible. Um, and we're starting to get like, like there's uh, Brits like Mike Grundy uh, who have fantastic wrestling and uh, it it's getting there. So cancel wrestling against Brits. I mean, Molly sure as fuck would have won that fight. Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't talk about the armbar, dude. She almost had Lara Procopio in the armbar, and and I think I'm not talking about it because it, it, you know she wouldn't want me to spend time on the time she almost won. But like, oh my god, I was screaming, jumping on my couch, like just fucking break her arm, Molly, fucking break her arm. I was screaming, and uh, oh my god. That was such an amazing moment. And see, see, we wouldn't have got that amazing moment if uh, we canceled wrestling on Brit. So how about try harder? Just kidding. Love you, mate. Um, next question is from Ty Fly Guy. Boom. Hey, Juice. Ty here. First off, stop changing your name. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. kidding. Um... But here's my question for you. Thinking a little bit about this Adesanya Blahovich fight, if Adesanya were to win against Blahovich, would you want him to stay in the middleweight division or go up to light heavyweight? I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are. Anyways, Juice, have a good one. This is a great question. I do want to talk about what he, the joke he made about my me changing my name. I change my name on my personal account all the fucking time, dude. And if you're listening and you want to follow that account, uh, that's fine. It's at Aaronish Jackson, but I don't often promote it on this show because it's like, you know, most people don't want to follow that account or whatever. Uh, but a lot of you do because you're lovely people. Um, that being said, uh, I change it all the fucking time. I, I think it started um, kind of... Well, before the pandemic, I was going to say, because I definitely, uh, <laughs> like when I had, <laughs> when I had my really long hair, one time I, I, I like took it out of the ponytail or man bun or whatever I had and like let it loose. And I looked like fucking Jesus. And I was like, Juices is here. And I believe it was Remember Mob. I think that's his handle. He made an awesome fucking edit with me as Jesus. And that was my profile picture for a long time, and I was juices. But I cut the hair, and I was like, you know, I I even remember like when I cut my hair because uh, I had to cut it for a play that ended up getting canceled due to Corona because fuck Corona. But um, I I kept the Avi for a while, like a couple of weeks after I cut my hair, because like I'm not ready to change it yet. I'm just not. But I eventually did, obviously, and I've just been changing my name ever since, and and it's usually like inspired by something and it can just be like whatever like one of my favorites that i've ever done is sassy juguito um <laughs> and um firefly helped me out with the spelling because i i forgot the u after uh g the second u because j-u-g-u-i-t-o juguito um but fucking a i i love changing my name in there it's amazing and it can be inspired by whatever like the, the most recent one it's currently body positive juice because you know body positive but before that it was detective juice and someone was asking me a question 
of like who <laughs> the guy in the, the clip uh, that I did my last episode on of Sean O'Malley uh, on his fucking podcast, Holding That Baby. They asked me who's the guy in the blue hoodie who asked the question. And that was Tim Welch, his striking coach, uh, and uh, overall creepy motherfucker. And also he was like a, he was on tough a long time ago, I think. Um, so I was like, I was like, no, no, this guy's fucking problematic as shit. And you got to listen to his response. Let me find it. Detective juice is on the case. And then I was like, that's a great name. And I changed it. I changed it right away. So uh, I just love changing my name. And then t- dude, Ty noticed. And then like a week after he noticed that I always changed my name, he fucking <laughs> it changes his name too, which I think it's still that it's, it's like, tie of the tiger and by the way that's awesome but you should maybe think about consider making it eye of the tiger but the tie in tiger is ty like your name like eye of the tiger anyway tie of the tiger is still amazing too uh but going back to uh your question which is regarding israel the last style bender who is being ruined by that fuck who does not deserve to have his name said on this podcast. Um, however, he's fighting Jan Bojevich, and he is, uh, hopefully the Polish people that listen to the show, which is only like one or two, can tell me if I nailed the pronunciation, because we've heard so many iterations, like Bojevich, Bojevich, but I think it's Bojevich. Please tell me if I'm wrong. Because it matters to me. Name pronunciations matter, dude. Obviously, I just did uh, Israel's name in uh, Yoruba. It's important. But anyway, um, would I want him to stay at middleweight? No, dude. Like, or, or, or stay at light heavyweight. I mean, if Israel wins, and I know it's a tall task. I'm not writing it off. You know, Jan is really tough. But um, Israel's also really fucking good and has fought that weight before in kickboxing. I think what he generally does is just like kind of doesn't cut weight so that way because he, he doesn't cut a lot to get to middleweight anyway and he just kind of flows like he's not one of those people that's like okay I'm gonna take some time I'm gonna put on muscle I'm gonna like no he's just gonna he's just gonna stay at his frame and he's gonna whoop that ass and I think um, if I'm not mistaken um, if he does that it would be pretty easy for him to defend at least one of the belts or sorry. Defend both belts at least once a year. So, so to kind of do at least two fights per year and defend the belts. In that regard, I think I would want him to go back and forth. Um, but also, the answer to this question kind of depends upon uh, the outcome. Well, not only the outcome of the fight, but also like how he looks in the fight. Like if it's a hard-fought victory and he ends up like you know needing to fucking recover for like months on end, I'm gonna be like, no, dude, like go back to eighty-five. Don't do it. Because like with this whole champ champ stuff, it's cute at first. You know, it's like cool. Like, well, two bells. And obviously, like, I want that for him. I want him to have that accomplishment. And it's a great thing. Uh, but it's also like, like, it's more of a boxing thing. And that's just not, you know, it doesn't really service MMA. Like if we had weight clubs, especially that one is 20 pounds difference. Dude. Like if we had belts every uh, three pounds, like do boxing or even five pounds, like, yeah, sure. Do another belt and then go back and forth. And then you can kind of have more of a pick of opponents and it's better for your career, whatever. But that's not what we have, dude. And it's tough to do that. And it's going to like, I never get too annoyed about like holding up the divisions. Because like, bro, they can fight somebody else. Like anyone that sits waiting for a title shot, uh, sometimes it's 
good and strategic, but honestly, like, you could fucking fight someone else. So don't talk about, like, holding up the divisions, really. Um, but at a certain point, it does get annoying. Like, if someone's, like, you know, waiting for too long and, like, you don't have any title fights in that division, it sucks. It does suck. So in that regard... I, I hope he like wins the belt and then is like, okay, I'm going back down to middleweight or whatever. And then vacates the belt. And they have another title fight, which is awesome. You know, so we'll see. Uh, but otherwise, um, I would like him to go kind of back and forth. It's tough. It's tough. All right. Great question. Thank you. Shout out to Ty. Um, next question is from my girl, KGB. Hey, you Jews, it's KGB. Um, I'm really hoping that you get this because I've honestly recorded it a few times and I'm having some technical difficulties, so I hope that this makes sense. Um, but I did want to jump on your show because I've never done one of these before. And I want to talk about this card. It's a little disappointing, I'm not going to lie. My favorites didn't do very well. Like McCann and Edwards losing back-to-back. That wasn't a great time for me. I won't pretend. Um, but I did think Edwards did well. She was definitely outclassed. Definitely not her night. She did not win. But I do really like her. I like that she's the first fighter from Panama. I like her style. I like that she fights back to back really quickly. I don't know. What do you think? I don't see much discussion about her unless it's me making fun of that other guy. Um, but yeah, what do you think? What are your thoughts? I love everything about this question. First of all, shout out to KGB, um, one of my favorite accounts. And um, <laughs> you can so you uh, on on Anchor when you send these questions and you can name them, you can t- you can title the message. And I always do whenever I send one into other people's shows. And sometimes it's like to throw people off, and sometimes it's it's really indicative of what I said. Her title was the best Edwards on the roster. And <laughs> I was like, is this going to be a question about Leon Edwards? And then I forgot that Jocelyn Edwards, like that was her name. I knew it was Jocelyn, but I forgot that it was Edwards. And then she was like, well, that wasn't a good time for me. I was like, huh, Edwards. Okay. And then it wasn't until she goes, that other guy that I remember. Oh, yeah, dude. The title was Shading Leon Edwards. Great. Love that for us. Fuck Leon Edwards. Um, Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for this question. I also love Jocelyn. Or what I was going to say is I love her because of this question. Like I obviously she had a great showing in that fight, but I didn't know much about her. But then, uh, you know, KGB kind of reminded me that uh, she's the first fighter from Panama and uh, hyping her up like that. I'm now going to look forward to her, her fight. And you know what I'm thinking? Honestly, it would definitely not make sense to run it back, but if they end up fighting uh, somewhere down the line, like if their paths cross again, I can see Edwards taking it because that she took that fight on short notice, you know. So much respect to to Jocelyn Edwards, and uh, thank you so much for that. So yeah, as far as my my thoughts on it on Edwards, um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of her, and I, I hope to God they give her like a, a a winnable matchup next. And I'm not saying like give her a can or whatever. I'm just saying like like let's have a favorable matchup and where she can have a proper camp because like, I want to see what this girl can do. Um, I think she landed like some sort of spinning shit in the fight, which was amazing. Uh, loved loved that. So 
really fucking uh, excited for Edwards. Thank you so much, KGB. And thank you for um, joining the ranks of awesome people who have submitted things to the show. Uh, you know, I have not honestly had a lot of uh, voice questions or even questions in general from a lot of my um, lady listeners, the ladies. Um, literally, the first time I ever got one was on my, I think it was on my uh, episode where I talked about my cancer. Uh, we we Lynn's, Darren Carson's wife, and um, Ashley and Maynard were both on that episode for the first time. And I've had Laura a few times. Um, haven't heard from Laura in a while. Hope she's doing well. Um, yeah, oh, Marley last episode and um, Felicia, but, but that wasn't an audio question. Yeah, I'm really, um, now I'm like going to upset somebody who actually has sent one in and uh, I'm blanking. But yeah, I literally have not gotten a ton of um, voice questions from, from the ladies. So thank you so much. Thank you. And our last voice, well, not not last, second to last, rather, um, we have a question from the homie Combat Sports with Rhino. <laughs> I almost played one he sent in, which he told me to not play. So I'm going to uh, play the second one. Hey, Juice, it's your big homie Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast. So we had a big main event last night in the heavyweight division. Volkov put the stamp on Alistair Overeem. So my question for you is this. Uh, Cyril and Jairzinho are going to be fighting fairly soon. I would love to see Volkov fight the winner of that, and then the winner of that fight gets a shot at whoever wins between Francis and Stipe. So my question for you is this. What do you see next for Volkov, and how do you see that fight playing out, whether it's going to be Cyril or Jairzinho? Great, great question. Shout out to, to Rhino. Um, I, I really love his show, and uh, the support is awesome. And uh, the upcoming fight between C Cyril Gan and Jairzinho is awesome. Uh, really, really love it. And you know what? <laughs> I like heavyweight MMA sometimes. I hold an opinion that elite heavyweight MMA is unparalleled. Like when you have guys like Overeem and Volkov who are like top of the heat, fucking great at what they do. Overeem is like the, the fucking resume he has is like, second to none and and going at it like that shit is fucking exciting and when it ends in a finish it's awesome but when you have guys that just got signed from the regional circuit and they're fucking gassing out at the end of the first round it is a problem <laughs> but yeah love, love love me some big boys swinging and as far as that fight goes i honestly don't know how it's going to go i mean yes uh Cyril Gann is, is, um, is a training partner of Francis Ngannou, and uh, Francis made light work of, of Rosenstreich, but um, Ngannou has that death touch that uh, Cyril doesn't have. He, he does have power, but I mean, if you notice, like against JDS, he had to really come in like with that fucking haymaker elbow and and just sort of like follow up with some ground shots as well, I believe, where, where it wasn't necessarily, um, you know, a one-touch one KO that um that put him away so uh that fight is really interesting and as far as like volkov next move i do think the winner of that fight kind of makes sense um because uh volkov sort of needs a little bit more wins strung together um although it would make sense that one of those guys would be fighting for a title next um you know either the winner of that fight or volkov um 
And I think it kind of makes sense for them to have a title eliminator between each other. Because also, it's hard to really answer this because the title picture at Heavyweight is a little muddy right now. Like, they just announced Francis vs. Stipe 2. That's happening, I believe, in March. Um, and we're told that the winner of that fight is going to fight John Jones. Um, John Jones is making his Heavyweight debut and he's fighting for the title because he's John fucking Jones. So, so that's going to happen. Um, but it, it almost like begs a question, like, does he wait for then the, the winner of John Jones versus whoever to, uh, to fight for a title? Like, I, I hope, I just hope they can line up those fights in succession properly. If you know what I mean? Like you can't really control a lot of that, but if they can get it, so that there's like the fucking like, Cyril versus Rose Strike happens. Boom. You book the winner of that versus Volkov on uh the same card as Jones and and whoever, you know, whoever wins between Stipe and Ngannou. And then you have the winner of Volkov Rosenstrike or or Cyril fighting uh John Jones. Or the winner of <laughs> fucking getting all crossed up here. But yeah, um as far as far as um What's going to happen with with uh, you know that fight? I do seeing Cyril being victorious, but uh, I wouldn't count Jarzinho out. He's still really fucking good, and he in some ways has that death touch. He put down Alan Crowder with a jab. Um, he obliterated the fuck out of Andre Arlovsky. So so Jarzinho is good. Uh, like people saw him lose almost lose to to Overeem, and I think he's shit. Um, but but he's he's not shit. He's just. I don't know. He is what he is. Um, but uh, as far as either of those facing Volkov, um, I kind of think Volkov makes it out of both fights, if I'm honest. Like, he's got the length, and my man's got really good takedown defense as well, and, and I don't see either of them really using uh, their wrestling, to be honest. Um, so Cyril has gotten, like, some wild submissions. Like, he got a fucking arm triangle, I think, in his debut, and then a heel hook. Um He's a kind of a out of nowhere grappler, which I, I kind of really enjoy. Uh, but he's not really grabbing like wrestler style. He's not blasting doubles on guys. He's just not. Um, so it'd have to be opportunistic. I don't know if that's going to happen. So uh, honestly, like thinking about it, the more exciting fight to me would be Cyril versus uh, versus Volkov. So, so I hope that Cyril beats Rosenstreich so we get that fight. And, and that's not even to say uh, if we're getting that. I mean... Holy shit, I just realized uh, Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades is in two weeks. So the winner of that might deserve a title as well. There's a lot of the, the heavyweight title picture is really exciting right now. And it's awesome. So I do like heavyweight sometimes, Rhino. <laughs> uh, but shout out to Rhino. Um, check out his uh, his podcast with uh, Jorgen DeCastro, which dropped the same day as mine. Love that shit. And uh, we have one more voice question. And that is from MMA Catfish. Hey, Juicy Baby. It's MMA Catfish. Hey, I was looking up Alexander Volkov's record. And it's really not too bad. He lost two in a row in 2015 that got him kicked out of Bellator. But those two were to Tony Johnson, the current heavyweight champ in ACA or ACAB or whatever we're calling it nowadays, you know, the horrible dictatorship league. 
then he lost to Czech Congo, who, I mean, he's no slouch, 2015, Czech Congo was definitely a lot better than what we see nowadays. Um, won two fights in M1, whole bunch of wins in the UFC, with the exception of a loss to Derek Lewis, and I believe, if I remember properly, he was totally winning that fight until Lewis got that lucky KO punch. Um, and then a loss to Curtis Blades, which tells me he needs to shore up his takedown defense. Um, but where do we see him going from here? I mean, do we think he's a legit contender? MMA math is funny because he sure put a heck of a lot worse eating on Alistair Overgut than he did on Greg Hardy, but at least he beat Greg Hardy, thank the baby Jesus. Anyhow, what are your thoughts? And as always, FMP. I keep forgetting that maybe some people don't know what FMP means, and he always answers questions with that. It stands for Fuck Mike Perry. Um, it's just a little thing, and it's, you know, a sentiment I certainly agree with. Um, shout out to Seth, aka MMA Catfish, um, has a podcast, Catfishing with the Tat Daddy. <laughs> uh, gotta love it. <laughs> but yeah, Alexander Volkov has a great record. And uh, it definitely is is interesting thinking about it. like he did he did lose two in a row in Bellator which got him kicked out which was like kind of weird and uh, I remember thinking that when he came in like oh here's a, a guy from Bellator like what's what's he gonna do and then he had like a really uh, you know awesome kind of run the UFC for a while his fight with Verdum was weird like he uh, survived submissions from Verdum and then ended up. TKOing him, I believe, in the fourth round. Um, Volkov's got some great fights in the UFC. The Volkov versus Struve one was excellent because it was just two skyscraper human beings in there. But yeah, um, he was winning that Derek Lewis fight. So as far as where uh, where he goes from here, I think Rhino laid it up pretty nicely. Like a title eliminator fight might be next. Um, but honestly, like wherever they put him in. Uh, whoever they put him in with rather or, or, or against, if, if you want to call it that um, I'm in whatever, whatever it is. Like I want to see Volkov fight again. He's great. Um, and can we stop fat shaming also over him? Like I know he's a creep and uh, we should shame him for that. But uh, uh, I really hate fat shaming. It's like the thing I hate more than anything of all time. I know that's going to be part of the thread now. Cause I said it and he's going to defend. Don't you don't need to defend it. Just don't fucking die. There's no wasn't, Directed at you is just like don't fat shame. It's my least favorite thing that the MMA community loves to do. Um, but yeah, thank baby Jesus and FMP. Well said. <laughs> I said that because I'm looking at the transcript. Oh, I wasn't gonna talk about fucking the fact that he called it horrible dictatorship league because of fucking uh, Kadyrov owns ACB absolute championship Berkut, I believe. Um, but if they called it horrible dictatorship league, I would be fucking amazed. Like. Can you imagine? They were like, he's the former HDL champion. And someone's like, what's HDL? Like, oh yeah, the horrible dictatorship league. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, okay, so next we have uh, a DM from Phil, the MMA dude. Shout out to Phil, co-host of the Split Decision podcast. Love those guys. Uh, he says, Juice, what a victory for Mr. Sanhagen. So I ask, is he guaranteed this title shot over uh, after Jan slash Sterling? If not, to quote Charlie Olives, what do I got to do to get that belt wrapped around my waist? Um, honestly, 
after that sick fucking promo and that amazing knockout, two back-to-back highlight reel knockouts in, in devastating fashion, it's hard to deny him. However, I think there is an option, and it's going to sort of uh, parlay into an answer with it for another question. But I think that if he does get a towel shot, it's the TJ Dillashaw fight, um, which I hate to admit because I hate giving TJ like positive fights. Uh, but if, if TJ thinks he can just sort of come back for a title shot after being on the shelf for being a fucking drug cheat, like, go home. Seriously, like, grab three of your friends and sit on an inverted stool, you piece of trash. Fuck TJ Dillashaw. All the homies hate TJ Dillashaw. Except for fucking weird apologists that don't hate TJ Dillashaw. Um, but anyway... Uh, and yeah, it's like, oh yeah, he's he's really he's elite. I like elite fighters. Yeah, fuck that, dude. Fuck that. Um, but yeah, fuck TJ Shaw. Fuck anything but a title shot for for Corey Sandhagen. Yeah, there's that. So uh, great question, Phil. Uh, shout out to Phil. He's amazing. Um, so this question is from Freelance Goon, uh, the homie one-fourth of the turbo team uh he says with frankie out of contention at 135 what do you want to see next for him uh legends fights with 35 and 45ers or gatekeeper for new contenders you know this is a tough question to answer because you know when i said about also like when when legends uh get knocked out it's hard and and you don't want to see them uh get knocked out like that again so you want to in some ways, advocate for their retirement, even though that's sort of like, you know, ages or whatever, like telling people to retire, like you can't be the one to, to kind of force retirement on somebody. However, I think Luke Thomas brought a good point about this once is like, at a certain point, when is it irresponsible for us to not talk about that? Which I kind of not, I, what I'm saying is I don't, I don't necessarily think that's apropos in Frankie's case, because he's, he's been in a ton of wars, but he hasn't uh, been knocked out a ton of times. So it's, it's hard. And he still has most of his faculties. Like he's still like he's Frankie, but um, honestly, that that fight went worse than I expected. Uh, that was not good for Frankie in the slightest. And when someone gets like knocked out quickly, it's always like you know that could just happen at any point. So that doesn't necessarily mean you know like like Frankie got uh, knocked out by Brian Ortega and then a month later beat the brakes off Cub Swanson and put on like an absolute clinic. And I watched it live with my own eyes. I was fucking amazed the guy is built different um but he is sort of in the twilight of his career it's really a shame he should have been at 135 for like he should have been at 135 since they introduced the division and um i honestly as far as what i i want to see next for him there aren't a ton of legends at 135 like obviously the the cruise fight interests me we have to see how cruise looks uh you know uh after the, he takes care of that lawn gnome casey kenny um but uh as far as uh, a fight for frankie cruise is really the only one i want to see um as far as a legend fight uh uriah faber and 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 frankie already fought i'm just trying to think of like legends uh at 35 but they fought at 145 it was like a bit of a weird fight so Maybe they do that. But yeah, I guess to answer your question, I would rather see Legend Fights than him being a gatekeeper. Like, no one wants to see that fucking, what we just saw. No one wants to see that. No one wants to see that. I mean, maybe if you ain't Frankie, you do. <laughs> but I surely don't want to see it. I Like, there was a time in his career, like, they fed Yair to him, and he absolutely exposed Yair. Uh, but that Frankie, I don't know if that Frankie is the one that's around today. So, um, you know... I would say more legends fights. 
and and I and I know you said like legend fights with like thirty five and forty fivers, and there's certainly more uh, if you want to call them legends at, at forty five. But uh, I just don't think I want to see him against those guys anymore, like the bigger guys. I just think, you know, like like who wants to see Frankie versus Cup three? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, that would be like the fucking one forty five version of 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 Charlie Olives and Nick Lentz. It would just be weird. But yeah, um, really would rather see Legends fights in general from him. But I'd say he only has a couple more left anyway. Let him do the Cruz fight. Uh, uh, and honestly, I think that's a winnable fight for him. And I let him go out on a win. That's it. That's it. And then the homie Gator, another member of the Turbo team, says, where does TJ Dillashaw land in the division now that he's back? And and yeah, I was saying about this the other day. Uh, some Someone on a... On a uh, a show I ref- I was listening to referenced like the Fox era. It was actually a uh, shout out to, to Steve and Drake Riggs. It was the WMA today podcast. And I was like, the Fox era doesn't seem that long ago. When, when was that? And then I was remembering, Oh yeah. Like the last fight of the Fox deal was uh, between Kevin Lee and Alaya Quinta, the rematch that they had, they headlined the card. And then the first fight of the ESPN deal was, uh, Dillashaw Cejudo um, on ESPN Plus um, was also Greg Shitstain Hardy's debut uh, where he got a DQ against Alan Crowder. And uh, yeah, TJ Dillashaw popped for EPO because he's a fucking cheater and uh, I hate him. Let me be I hated him before that. Like, I did not need that EPO result to fucking shame TJ Dillashaw. Um, however, um, he is still uh, amongst the the top of the division. Um, I just I would be I would be genuinely like annoyed at the UFC if they gave him a title shot upon return. Like, he, bro, you went down to one twenty five, looked like absolute dog shit, and got KO'd quickly, and then we found out you were cheating and you relinquished the bell, which is sort of like. Oh, you're going to fire me? No, I quit. So yeah, you are stripped and you don't just come back for a title fight. You don't just fucking come back. Like if for some reason they need to do an interim fight, I wouldn't hate him getting an interim title shot because it's like whatever. That's sort of like a number one contender belt anyway. But no, the only fight, if he's fighting a, a top level guy to, to get a title shot, it's uh, Corey Sanhagen. That's the only fight I would I would I would want for him. However, uh, people have thrown out the idea of him fighting Aldo. Um, I don't hate that, uh, but I also don't love it. And um, in general, like if I was going to be mean, which I like, if I was a matchmaker, I absolutely would be. Uh, I would have him like have to claw his way back and just like fight the absolute fucking scrubs of 135, Um, which is sort of mean to say. That there are like scrubs at 135 because there's actually a bunch of killers, but I would have him fight guys like fucking, uh, like no, I'm, I'm gonna be disrespectful if I say that, but because I said scrubs, but I would have him fight like the number 15 guy, and I'm, I don't know who that is, so that's not me being like I would just have him have to fight his way back, you know what I mean? So there's that, or TT Dillashaw has like a weird, um, trait about his record where he loses every four times or he he just four wins one loss four wins one loss i would make him fight four nobodies and then give him a title fight and have him lose that title fight because he's a piece of shit fuck tj dillashaw um so yeah that's where we're at with that 
Um, but let me have um, let's jump into the forum. So we got some great Twitter questions. Not a lot, not a ton of them, but we do have them. So the first one is from the homie Bearded Stoner at Bearded Stoner RR or Bearded Bearded Stone RR. I think he used to say Bearded Stoner eighty eight. I wonder what changed. But anyway, um, he says, "Does Clay Guida have the best cardio in MMA?" And would you consider him a gatekeeper or contender? Uh, first of all, absolutely gatekeeper. Uh, I don't even necessarily know if he is a gatekeeper, but if it's one or the other, it's definitely gatekeeper. He is not a contender, um, at least title contender, if that's what we're saying that means. Um, but uh, as far as his cardio, I was when he said that question, I was like, dude, I'm struggling to find someone with better cardio. I've literally never seen him fade. And he's, he's got hours upon hours of tape on him. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he's, I've never seen him fade. He always pushes pedal to the metal and, and never fades. Like he's really kind of legendary in that sense. Like it, it's, it's kind of amazing to watch. So yeah, I don't know if he has the best cardio in MMA, but I don't know who does if it's not him, if that makes sense. So that's a great question. Um, he also said, are you okay if Molly retires? And, and you know, like I'm, I'm glad that this was asked because it was a chance to kind of address it, even though I kind of addressed it earlier. Um, I did not think she was going to retire at all. But when people started saying it, it like worried me for a second. But then I thought, you know what? Like, that's her decision. It's not mine to make. However, like, there are tons of fights for her. And she still has plenty of fights left. You know what I mean? So... Big, uh, big fan of Molly, and and she's not going anywhere, dude. She's not going anywhere. Even though I said on my podcast with Phil that I think she's going to be the champion by the end of the year, she's not going anywhere. There's still time, by the way, for that to be true. Uh, next question is from the homie Yugi MMA at Yugi MMA. Um, I don't know if he's still doing the iPoke podcast. Apparently he had to take the last one down because there's some music licensing. I hope he finds a new platform and gets that shit going because I love it. I miss it. Uh, he says, name a few of your dark horses. The divisions are changing. You know what, dude? Um, someone I think is a dark horse at 135 is, uh, is Rob Font. He's fucking incredible. Um, I also think uh, Nate Landwehr is a, is a dark horse at 145. Uh, I think uh, Viviani Araujo is, is sort of a dark horse at 125. I know you didn't ask like every division, but I'm just sort of going through um, the divisions in my mind a little bit just to kind of see uh, where they're at. James Krause is a fucking dark horse of 170. Make no mistake about it, dude. Um, but yeah, those are kind of my my dark horses. I guess you could say Cyril Gann is a dark horse at heavyweight, even though heavyweight really isn't that deep to say that. <laughs> it's just sort of like, pretty fucking shallow of a division. Um, you know who else I think is, is a, is a dark horse in some ways, uh, Marco Madsen. He's that, um, I think he's Belgian or, um, is he Belgian? I think he's Belgian. Um, he's that guy that was like a silver medalist, uh, in wrestling that came in and, uh, he has built his MMA game around that and he's just fucking wrecking dudes. And, um, he's going to get figured out eventually. Like, I'm not saying he's whatever, but if, if they build him up right and he gets just like a bunch of strikers, he can wrestle fuck. Um, he's going to have a lot of success. And uh, the last question is from my man, 
Bobby Dazzler, Darren Carson at Bobby Dazzler under uh, at Bobby underscore Dazzler sixty eight. If I'm going to do a proper introduction, um, he says, "What is the biggest, most dangerous animal mixed a man could overpower and cellophane wrap to a lamppost?" Amazing question. It would have to be that powerful cellophane that they use for uh, mo- moving, like when movers wrap your furniture and they have that that big roll. Um, it obviously, couldn't be like regular saran wrap from the grocery store. Um, fucking, you know what, what, what the biggest, most dangerous animal makes you make overpower? It would probably be like a lynx or a bobcat. Some of those, one of those nasty fucking wildcats. He would just, just like fucking grab him and, and probably strangle him and then uh, cellophane wrap it to a lamppost. That I, that I would believe. I would still be fucking terrified for him, probably. That's really fucking uh, dangerous, but he could do it. It's a fucking really dangerous animal. Uh, Jesus. Uh, PETA's going to cancel this episode. <laughs> By the way, if you didn't know, uh, vegans do not like PETA. We don't like PETA. PETA are fucking gross people. So, yeah. Anyway, dude, that's it for the forum. And uh, we have some fights next week that I'm going to preview. So let's get into that. All right. Next weekend, Saturday, February 13th, UFC 258, headlined by Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns for the undisputed welterweight title. It's going down at the apex. Incredible fight. Incredible fight card. And we're going to break down every single fucking fight on this card. Now, when I say breakdown, it's obviously, it's a juice breakdown, which is to say I'm not really going to break them down at all. I'm just going to talk about them. Uh, but there are some really fantastic fights. Um, I want to say the the fight opening up the card is really intriguing to me. And I actually sent in a voice question to Rhino's podcast about this fight. So if you want to hear probably a better analysis of it, listen to his podcast. I mean, listen anyway, but listen for better analysis than I'm going to give you. Um, but Miranda Maverick versus uh, Jillian Robertson is awesome. So Miranda Maverick had this great debut and really excited to see where she goes, but this is a huge step up in competition. Jillian Robertson is no slouch and she has, I think the most submissions of, uh, of any woman in UFC history, or she's tied for the most with Ronda. I'm not sure which I thought she, she broke it with the last fight or she may have tied it. They talked about it. It was like a big thing, but, uh, Either way, she's fucking legit as fuck. And however, she has struggled with strikers a little bit. And Miranda is a powerful fucking striker. I mean, that elbow or whatever it was that opened up the nasty, nasty cut on that poor girl's head. Her uh, Miranda's last fight. Whew. Um. So uh, I think if Miranda can, I mean, obviously it's that whole like old school analysis. Well, if you can keep it stand up, but that's sort of apropos in this case. I think if uh. Miranda can keep it on the feet. She's going to absolutely uh, cause Jillian a lot of problems. So, um, so there's that. Uh, but uh, if I were to give my pick of what I obviously this, disclaimer: if you've never listened to my podcast before, do not listen for betting advice. I uh, do not like betting. It is not something I'm good at, or have ever cared to figure out. So I never even like watched the lines or anything like that. But uh, Jillian Robertson is. Um, I would say she's going to strangle her. But that's just sort of what I want to see happen because I love Jillian Robertson. She's cute as fuck. She's got red hair. Good personality. Great fighting style. I love her. Jillian Savage Robertson against Miranda, the Maverick. 
Um, and then the next fight, Gabriel Green versus Philip Rowe. Uh, it's happening a welterweight. I got to be honest with you. I do not. Oh, by the way, the last fight was a women's flyweight. I assume you knew that, but if you didn't, it's women's 125. Uh, but this fight is a welterweight between Gabriel Gifted Green and Philip the Fresh Prince Rowe. And um, if he does not come out to the Fresh Prince theme song, uh, I'm going to say he's going to lose. But assuming he does, uh, actually, to be fair, there, there may be some like licensing complications to that. However, if we fucking hear like in West Philadelphia morning, right? Like if that hits the fucking speakers, my man is getting a TKO in the first round. Uh, <laughs> and you heard it here first. So yeah, my, my pick is largely based on the theme song. But otherwise, I think I'm still going to pick with Philip because uh, he looks like he's going to absolutely beat the shit out of Gabriel Green. But uh, I could be wrong. Fuck me. You know what I mean? Uh, this next fight is listed featherweight. I could have sworn that they were actually fighting in their normal weight class because these are two bantamweights. Um, this is Ricky Simone versus Brian Kelleher. But I, I do like that bantamweights have been fighting a featherweight during the pandemic. It's it's great. Weight cutting is a fucking terrible part of our sport. And, uh, you know, Ricky Simone has all the tools to uh, cause Brian Kelleher a lot of problems. However, uh, if you ever listen to my show, you know that I'm a big Brian Kelleher fan. And... Uh, uh, I would love for him to beat the absolute piss out of Ricky Simone. Uriah Faber style with a fucking nasty overhand. Okay. So there's that. There's there's me being uh, ridiculous as usual. But that's it for the early prelims, um, which are on, I guess, ESPN Pulse or Fly Pass exclusively. And then the um, regular prelims, which are on Big ESPN and uh, ESPN Plus. Opening that is uh, Pollyanna Viana versus Mallory Martin. Uh, they're, they're in the women's 115, uh, stra strawweight division. Now, these women both have excellent stories. Uh, and by that, I mean uh, Pollyanna has a really excellent story where she beat the shit out of this guy who was trying to rob her. And um, Mallory Martin uh, has a story that I like, which may not be like important to anyone else. Is I saw her Invicta debut. I think it was her Invicta debut. And... She beat the absolute piss out of this girl and was just talking shit to her the whole time. She was like, no one's going to be able to save you. Your family's not going to be able to save you. She was just talking shit to this girl like fucking Khabib. Uh, and uh, she had this amazing, like, fired up post-fight interview. It was awesome. So I always root for Mallory in that regard. Uh, but Pollyanna is legit as fuck. Uh, this could be a really tough fight for Mallory. I'm still picking Ma Mallory. also because I pick with my heart and I don't give a fuck about what anyone says about that. And uh, that really is kind of because of UFC 244, because I was trying for as long as to be one of you guys who picks with my brain, and I can't fucking do that. And I, and I did, and I picked with my brain, and I was fucking wrong. So what I realized is that I have a dumb brain, but I have a good heart. So I pick with my heart a lot. So yeah, Mallory Harden. <laughs> Mallory Harden. I'm so dumb. Mallory Martin. Let's go get this dub. Uh, next fight is Bilal Muhammad versus Diego Lima. Now, I really like Diego Lima. But does he follow me on Twitter? No. You know who does? Bilal Muhammad. I also, I think stylistically, this is a great fight for Bilal as well. Bilal's really fucking good. I'm not just picking him because he follows me. But I will never pick against him for that fact. Um, yeah. Love Bilal. Remember the show. Remember the name. Um, big fan of Bilal. And a homie Dave Fretz uh, works on uh, Remember the Show uh, doing the graphics for him. So uh, Bilal's just uh, a good uh, good human. He's part of the team 
Good to have him uh, as part of the team. Now, the one thing that uh, I was like uh, finding interesting with Bilal is he's typically undersized. Like he's not a big welterweight. Uh, for example, like he's five eleven. Uh, at least according to the UFC uh, website, their stats. And uh, Diego Lima is listed at six two. Now I'm six two. Sometimes I feel like Diego's taller than me. Obviously, I've never stood next to him, but he just feels like bigger than six two. Um, uh, but uh, Bilal fought this this poor poor guy. What was it? Craig White or Chance Roncontre, uh, where he was very undersized, but he beat the absolute dog shit out of him. Like he just kept taking him down and and beating the shit out of him. Bilal's great. So uh, I expect him to do Bilal-like things. Um, the next fight is uh, Holdolfo Vieira versus Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Now, uh, when a guy has a nickname like Fluffy, I typically like to pick him. However, Holdolfo is nasty. He uh, This is a middleweight fight, by the way. Uh, he's also a massive middleweight. Like He looks like he could be a light heavyweight. Um there's a lot of middleweights do, to be fair. That's also because there's a fucking 20-pound gap. Like, if there was a 195, this motherfucker would absolutely be fighting a 195. I mean, maybe not, because people like to be the bigger guy a lot, but he's huge. Um, and, he's, and he's fighting Anthony Hernandez. I think he's going to absolutely beat the piss out of him, dude. His nickname, by the way, uh, Holdolfo's, is the black... Uh, I don't know if this is MMA nickname. I'm going to pull it up just to make sure... Yeah, he's listed as not having a nickname, but his nickname in the BJJ scene, he's known as the Black Belt Killer, the Black Belt Hunter. Uh, I don't know if it's both or, or if it's one or the other. Um, he absolutely dismantles dudes who are like really, really great BJJ black belts. So um, uh, he's not bad on the feet. I don't, I don't know that I would call him like a great striker, but he's effective and he's good at getting the fight where he needs to. And he's going he's gonna to choke this shit out of Anthony Hernandez, dude. He absolutely is. No disrespect. God, I really hope anyone that knows Anthony Hernandez is not listening to this podcast. <sighs> okay, next fight is uh, Jim Miller versus Bobby Green. Jim Miller is obviously, and this is a lightweight fight. I always forget that because I feel like you guys know what weight classes these are. I, I like to, you know, like they say, know your audience. I like to give you guys the credit that you know. But just in case, this fight is a lightweight, uh, 155. Now, Jim Miller's a New Jersey guy, and I typically pick against, or sorry, I typically don't pick against New Jersey guys. Always back to New Jersey guy. But I'm from California originally. And Bobby Green is from California. So I'm riding with Bobby, the King Green. Uh, I, I love him, first of all. He is fucking hilarious. And he's put together some really nice wins lately. He likes to talk shit while he fights, which is honestly my favorite thing in the world. Uh, like Kevin Hall and anyone that does that is just like, you're my guy. And Bobby Green... I was on Bully Beat Down once. Like, I've talked about this before. I loved that show, and it really got me into MMA. And uh, Bobby Green beat this guy once so badly that he made the guy fucking quit. And they never do that. And obviously, like, the bullies are not real fighters, but most of them are tough enough uh, to, like, stay in there. And this guy wasn't. Like, they split it up into two rounds. Because if it was uh, strictly, like, fully unified MMA rules... They would probably just like take him down and ground and pound the shit out of him. Uh, even if they weren't necessarily wrestlers, they would still take advantage of the fact that the other person has no wrestling. Um, but they, they split up in two rounds of like grappling and uh, kick uh, kickboxing so that they can kind of separate the two. And Bobby Green in the grappling round just like picked this guy up and slammed him and treated him like a fucking toy. And the guy was like, that man is a weapon. I am done. <laughs> he was like, fucking. 
Oh, it was amazing. And but and usually, usually like the bully, uh, the fighters at the end, they like give respect to the bullies, where they're like, you know, respect you for staying in there, whatever, but don't be a bully. Well, like they have this whole obviously with stage or whatever, but like Papa Green was like, I don't even respect you. <laughs> you didn't stay in there. Like you're a man. Fuck you. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, I love Bobby Green. So, uh, honestly, in that regard, I'm hoping for a draw because I, I like Jim Miller a lot too. Jim Miller also. <laughs> <laughs> there's another thing about me like i'll find like the littlest thing about a fighter and like i'll use that to uh like pump them up or whatever like be a fan when they had that uh one of the ufc like fighter retreats they were showing the like uh uh the building plans or whatever the model for the performance center and jim miller posted this thing on his instagram that was like quoting zoolander he was like what is this a center for ants big fan of that so yeah, uh, I uh, hate that one of these guys has to lose. I'm hoping for a draw. But the main card is fucking great. Are there six fights in the main card? Jesus, no, there's only five. Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, there's only five. I just feel like there's a lot of fights in this card. Um, I'm hoping that they all make it to the cage and none of these fall through because of uh, COVID. Um, but the first fight in the main card is Maki, worst name, uh, nickname of all time, Patolo versus Julian. Cuban Missile Crisis Marquez. Now, that's a fucking great nickname. And regardless, by the way, I'm warming to Maki Patolo. And I think Kogan Bombs isn't as bad of a nickname as I say it is sometimes. But to me, and I've always said this, and I will I'll never waver on this dude. It's the name of a technique, not the name of a fighter. Uh Coconut Bomb should not be a person's name. It should be a fucking like like Hendo has the H bomb. They don't fucking say like Dan H bomb Henderson. No, dude. He fucking says like I landed the H bomb on him. He he could get on the mic easily after a knock and be like I hit him with a coconut bomb. Eh? That was wow. That was a really bad uh, uh, Hawaiian dialect. Really, really bad. Uh, I'm very sorry. I love Hawaiians, dude. But yeah, Julian Marquez is hilarious, uh, and I will always remember his fucking debut. I think it was his debut, or it might have just been like. Uh, like his second fight in the UFC or something like that. He beat, it might've been even Darren Stewart. Like he just fucking beat this guy up really badly. And he got on the mic and he was like, Tyron Woodley, I'm calling you out. I'm like, this guy's a middleweight who just got in the UFC and he's calling out the welterweight champion. Okay. And then he goes, I think I have the best beard in the UFC. And you are the only other one who could even close to that. I think my beard is better than yours. I'm fucking you know, I'm calling you out for a beard competition or whatever he said. It was, it was really, uh, like, unique, and I love that. So big fan of Julian. I think he has a podcast called Beauty and the Beast with uh, Kendra Lust, I want to say. I still haven't listened, but I I need to, um, even though uh, Kendra is a fucking Conor McGregor fan, which is not uh, something that I think is uh, effective in being a good human being. Oh, moving on. I'm so canceled already. The thing is, like, by the time I get to the end of these podcasts, like, I assume most of you have turned off by now. Like, there's literally people who only listen for the forum. They're like, I just want to hear my voice or I want to hear my question answered. And they just listen, which is fine. Counts toward my listens. You know what I mean? So, like, do you, boo-boo. Do whatever you want. But um, uh, I was to thank people who get this far because I honestly ramble. And uh, anyone who gets this far should be thanked. Um, oh, I just got a message. Shout out to this person who just gave me a message. Uh, Pedro Munoz versus Jimmy Rivera. Uh, 
Jimmy Rivera is another New Jersey guy, but for some reason he annoys me, dude. That said, um, Pedro Munoz fought Frankie Edgar last fight, and a lot of people said he won, and his fans were really annoying. So um, I hope Jimmy Rivera shuts uh, those fans up and beats Pedro Munoz. Uh, but Pedro Munoz is really good, so he probably will be Jimmy Rivera, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back Jimmy Rivera in this one, just for fuck's sake. Just for the fuck of it, but not for fuck's sake. Um, I guess for fuck's sake. Anyway, dude, uh, next fight is a middleweight fight between Ian Heinish and Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, Kelvin Gastelum has had somewhat of a fall from grace. Like, he literally fought for the interim title uh, and put on, like, the fight of the year that year. And then I was like, uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to lose two in a row. I'm going to lose uh, a boring decision to, to guarantee. And then I'm going to get absolutely smoked in the first round with a heel hook against uh, Jack Hermanson. And then I'm going to fight the number 15 ranked guy, Ian Heinish. Uh, Ian he- didn't Ian Heinish fall out one of his fights because he had COVID? Like, I really hope he's okay. You know, like some of the people that are coming back after like a few positive tests, I'm like, shouldn't you maybe wait a little bit? Like, wait until there's a vaccine. I don't know. Obviously, there is a vaccine now, but wait until you get it. Ian Heinish is one of my favorite fighters in that division because of his amazing backstory. If you haven't heard his backstory, uh, Google it. Google Ian Heinish player's voice. I think it's called. There's like a, a great, um, uh, like, wow, I'm really blanking here. Um, the player's voice is like a great series. That's the word I'm looking for. There's a great series that people do. The sports writers will like write it in the first person as if they are that athlete, but it's written by a writer. So it's a lot more eloquent. Like if you hear Ian Heinish talk about a story, he's like, yeah, I, I, I went through some stuff or whatever. It's kind of casual, but like this person, whoever wrote the article is really fucking good. And, um, his name is like the hurricane, which is a really good, uh, nickname. And he, he like went to prison for like drug trafficking. First, first he like evaded, like he had some charges uh, in the U S and I I guess his grandparents were like, here's a bunch of money. Here's a passport go. And he like fled the country and he fucking ended up uh, in like with like a similar crowd and ended up getting prison in like, I want to say he was like in Morocco for a bit. And then he, for some reason ended up in a, in a prison in Spain. I'm pretty sure he learned Spanish from that. I'm not entirely sure though, but I do know is that they had a, uh, like in prison, they had like a f- some sort of like fighting pit where he was like he he was a wrestler. He literally like I th- I think he showed them his cauliflower ear as like proof that he was like a wrestler. Like, hey, look at my ear. Obviously, I can fight, <laughs> which was like dumb. But he ended up like just fighting these guys in in prison and, and getting like uh you know wanting to do MMA after that. So he he went he got back into the country when he left the Spanish prison, and apparently like the prison there was like it's it's more about like re- reform and, and getting people back after prison whereas like american prison is not like that and he said it was really bad he ended up in rikers and he had like uh shiv people or something well not shiv people but i think people were trying to shiv him uh if i remember from the article correctly it's a, an amazing fucking article and i'm not doing it justice by sort of paraphrasing it in like a bro voice but ian heinish is is uh an exciting fighter in my opinion on uh Kelvin Gaston is also really good. Like, he, like I said, he's on a weird two fight skid right now, but he's he's a really good fighter. I just uh, I just think Ian Heinish uh, is gonna is gonna dismantle him, and that's uh, what I'm hanging my hat on because I was about to make a really terrible joke that it literally would get me canceled, but I'm not gonna make it. So uh, anyway, Ian Heinish, uh, let's go beat Kelvin Gaston. And next we have 
uh, a women's flyweight fight between Alexa Grasso and probably my least favorite fighter of all time. Maybe not my least, because that's like there are some fighters who have done like up like first of all like Greg Hardy. Who doesn't fucking hate Greg Hardy? He's a piece of shit that shouldn't even be fighting. So like yeah, but I don't ever think like just because it, it's sort of a given that everyone hates him usually, unless you're uh, an absolute piece of shit on Twitter. Um, there's some like weird Greg Hardy fans on Twitter that which is like why like he's not even good. Um, and uh, this person is uh, named Macy Barber, and if you've ever listened to any of my podcasts, you know that I absolutely hate this person. Um, I, I hated her before she signed to fight Roxy. Um, I think it was the PVZ thing like she kept like calling her out, like bullying her, and I was just like, you know what, dude, you're dumb. And she says a lot of really dumb things, and her dad turned out to be like, like crazy, like literally crazy. And I know there was like a Twitter account that turned out to be fake. And it was, I think it was like the Nowitzki guy or whatever the fuck. And then uh, RSP made one before he blocked me. So there's that. But like um, the, the, the real one is crazy. Like he came out and was like uh, saying a bunch of dumb things about the, uh, the fight with Roxy. But like Roxy also did something really, really nice because she's the best human being on the planet. And she was like, hey, so... Uh, our fight is going to be at the hotel and uh, I was told that they're not going to have baths. So if baths are a part of your weight cut, uh, please plan accordingly. Hope uh, you stay safe and make it the fight. And this bitch didn't respond to Roxy, but decided to post a screenshot of the DM and was like, I don't need your help, bitch, or whatever the fuck she said. Go home, Macy Barber. You're a piece of shit. I blocked her. I literally blocked her. Uh, but that was also just like for her benefit, which is like not something I should be doing for her benefit because I don't like her, but I said some dumb things about her and and really sort of uh, unnecessarily aggressive and uh, she doesn't need to see that. Uh, but that's also why I hate Brendan Allen. Like people ask like, why? He's my buddy. I train with him. Yeah, dude. But he also was like white knighting Macy Barber on one of my posts. So fuck him. Uh, but it's cool that if you like him, uh, whatever. But uh, all the homies hate Brendan Allen. Anyway, all the homies also hate Macy Barber, uh, except for Mr. B for some reason. But there's also some weirdos online, dude, that are like, oh, Macy Barber's kind of hot. <laughs> That's me choking on those fucking tweets that I read. Ugh. Anyway, Alexa Grasso. I like her anyway. It's not that just she's fighting Macy Barber. Alexa Grasso is a fucking great fighter. And uh, I love that she's Mexican. I love that. So I hope Alexa Grasso rearranges Macy's face. How about that? And this title fight between Gilbert Burns and Kamaru Usman is like, it is so, honestly, it's really hard to pick. And I go back and forth on it every day. And I know that there's a lot of uh, Gilbert Burns fans on Twitter because he interacts with y'all and he's really, really cool. And um, a lot of them are saying like, he's going to shock the world. He's going to do this. And that very well could happen. But we have to remember that Kamaru Usman, even though he's a piece of shit, is a really, really good fighter. And, uh, you know, he'd been training with Justin Gaethje and uh, more specifically Trevor Whitman. Trevor Whitman, in my opinion, is one of the best coaches in MMA right now. Um, so, yeah, honestly, even though it pains me, I think I'm going to go with Kamaru. I think I'm going to go with Kamaru. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. And I, like I said, I usually pick with my heart and not my brain, but it's just hard in this situation. Like, to me, like I like I said, I always pick with my heart, but I hate John Jones. However, 
I ha- I never really picked against John Jones. I just always think he's going to win. I just it just makes it weird to like say that when I know it's not going to happen. And that's the vibe I'm getting right now. Uh, and whenever I get that vibe, I'm usually right, even though I'm not always right about a lot of other things. In fact, I'm very often wrong. Uh, so I hope I'm wrong. But about these vibes, I'm usually not wrong. So uh, we're picking Kamara Usman here at the Funny With Myself podcast. I say that it's just me. Although, spoiler alert, uh, it's going to be me and Leo maybe next week. And then we're going to talk about our show that we're going to have, which is going to be a rebrand. Can't wait. I love it. So that said, ladies and gentlemen, we are at an end here. We've previewed these fights. We had a little mini forum uh, that was uh, epic in its own right. Uh, we we yelled at Stephen A. Smith for being a piece of shit for a long time, uh, probably more than was necessary. Uh, recap some amazing fights. This has been a great episode, even if uh, it's a little weird. Sometimes the weird ones are good ones. So that said, you can follow me on, on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. Um, again, my personal account uh, that some of you follow is at Aaronish Jackson. Um, you can also... Mm, I mean, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you get your podcast that isn't YouTube because I'm not an influencer or SoundCloud because I'm not an up and coming rapper. So there's that. And I guess this is the end. (laughs) We tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it doesn't even matter. Anyway, bye.